In this episode of the Business E-Commerce, I talk with Chase Clymer about the three KPIs to focus on to grow your e-commerce business. This is the Business of E-Commerce, episode 131. Welcome to the Business of E-Commerce, the show that helps e-commerce retailers start, launch, and grow the e-commerce business. I'm your host, Charles Plesky, and I'm here today with Chase Clymer. Chase is a co-founder of Electric Eye, an agency that increases sales for e-commerce brands. Chase also hosts Honest E-Commerce, a weekly podcast, community, and educational resource providing online stores owners with honest, actionable advice to increase their sales and grow their business. I asked Chase on the show today to talk about the three KPIs that you should focus on to grow your e-commerce business. So, hey, Chase, how are you doing today? Uh, you know, doing fantastic other than the sump pump exploding that we talked about a little bit before. <laughs> yeah. You're a landlord as well, right? On the side? Yeah. And uh, today I learned sump pumps can explode. Uh, <laughs> but we got, we got it, we got it sorted. Uh, and, you know, I, I was on time for the podcast. So Good. that's all that matters. Good to hear. <laughs> well, I appreciate you still making it. Um, very good. So what, one thing, so I love the topic um, on what to focus on. Because I feel like one of the things that happen, right, is when you kind of early on, you start kind of growing and you're doing all sorts of different things in the business. But as you start getting a little traction and as orders start coming in, you start getting customer support, all these different things start happening, your focus gets very diverted very quickly, right? There's, you come, right, you come each day and there's one of a hundred different things you can do. And they first, um, I think the expression is when you knew you knew, new businesses die of starvation. And then as you get running, you kind of, as soon as it ticks over, you die of ingestion, basically too much, right? Where now yeah. you have too many things to do, where now you could focus on marketing, customer service, your funnels, like there's just so many different things. And w the question of what you should be focusing on in any given day is something I think a lot of people struggle with or just people, <laughs> the other side of the coin, right? Is they don't struggle with, they just ignore it, just go about their day and hope for the best and hope that, you know, they use their emails basically their to-do lists, which I don't think is the right strategy. No, it's not a great strategy. So you mentioned a keyword there, which is traction. And I'm going to shout out to Gina Wickman. Uh, traction is an amazing book and I highly recommend everyone reading it. Um, it's a great concept. Uh, we use it within our agency to run our business. And it's essentially like a framework to uh, uh, approach problems and how to kind of operate your business. It's a fantastic, fantastic, uh, you know, starting point to understand like how to actually run a business, which is where a lot of people fail because you're right. Like, uh, running by like your inbox, if everything's important, if like the, the latest thing that came up is the most important thing, you're not worried about focusing on growing your business, growing your customer base, becoming a better, you know, creating a better product. Like all those things are on the back burner now because it's whatever the latest fire is to put out is what you're focusing on, which is a recipe for disaster. Yeah, Traction is a great book. I'm actually rereading right now for like the fourth time. It's one of those books that as you kind of progress in your um, entrepreneurial career, let's say, you get different things each time you read it. So like as you move to a different stage, you can re you can reread the exact same book. And that's one of them that you reread it. And all of a sudden, you're like, I don't remember any of these parts. And it's so differently applicable each time you read it as you kind of move. So it's almost like a yearly read you have to do, which is interesting. So I love, I'll definitely link to that one in the show notes. 
Um, yeah, absolutely. And then there's a if that one's a little more advanced for you, uh, Mike Michalowicz, uh Profit First is like yes. his major book that everyone should read. But he has another uh, book that he wrote uh, that's essentially about uh, like it's essentially a scaled back version of traction. And I'm actually trying to look it up right now uh, because, of course, my brain works faster than my memory. Um, so I'll bring that. I'll bring I'll get back to that in a second. But um, yeah, so. Essentially, the way that you want to like once you kind of hit that initial traction as an e-commerce business and with that initial traction, I would say is like you're getting organic sales, like you pretty much have proven your product market fit. Um, That's like the inflection point where it's now it's probably not a hobby anymore. This is moving towards becoming a business. Um, And you need to have a plan to kind of like focus on making the most of kind of what you have to offer. Uh, so once brands kind of get to that point, we kind of point them to look at like three specific KPIs and we can kind of get into that more here in a minute. I did find the book. The book is called clockwork and that's like a, that's like a, a, it's the same, it's the same thing. It just shows you how to run a business the right way. Uh, and to distill that book down into like two sentences, it's it's essentially like make a list of what you're going to do for the quarter and only focus on that and then ignore everything else. Um, which is a, a big mindset shift that I don't think a lot of people can make overnight, but it works. Yeah, I think that's the thing, right? That you you deciding up front what to focus on is kind of the first mindset shift on. You have to sit there and say, here's my goals for the year. Well, and Traction actually mentioned as well, right? Here's my goals for three year, one year, one quarter, and you keep zooming. So you start out and you just zoom down. And then how do we get from that? What's that three division and what do we do today to move us a little further along? Yep, absolutely. So uh, once you read that book, I guess that's the first thing I tell everyone to do. If you, if you don't have a plan work. on how to run your business, <laughs> if, <laughs> do that first. And then anyway, so once you, once you kind of get to that point, you got your initial traction, you're, you're making some organic sales, you know, you're, it's starting to become a real thing. So at this point, I'm assuming you already have your e-commerce store you know, figured out, you're making sales, you're shipping products, like all that basic stuff is done. And now you're like, okay, I like want to grow this business. How do I grow this business? Um, cool thing about e-commerce is it comes down to three key numbers essentially, or three key key KPIs, key performance factors. Um, and uh, the magic of it is when you multiply them all together, you're gonna roughly get your average order like gross for whatever the time frame is that you're looking at. So what I'm talking about here is you've got your traffic, so like how many people are visiting your website. You've got your conversion rate, how many people that visit are actually buying something. Then you got your average order value, which you know is the average of all the orders that are made during that particular time frame. So, just with those three numbers, like those are what can make and break an e-commerce business. Uh, you know, people will argue like cost of goods, lifetime value, all that stuff. Those are cool, and they're very, very useful later on in your journey. But for right now, if you're talking about just like trying to get to the next level and kind of scaling your business up, I would focus on traffic conversion rate and your average order value. So when you say you'd focus on those three KPIs, you could look at them first from the top level, right? Like what's the business doing for... So easy example, conversion rate, right? Like what's the blended conversion rate? But Or do you start looking at it per channel, per funnel, that sort of thing? Because your conversion rate based on your Instagram ads is going to be very different than your conversion rate, just organic, for example, or for your newsletter, especially. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the conversion rate on these specific channels is vastly different and that I think would be a further step. I think some people don't realize 
how terrible their websites are <laughs> to begin with. Um, you can like an easy one to do. You can just do this in the back end of Shopify. Is you can look at the difference between your mobile conversion rate and your desktop conversion rate. Yep. And if they're like off by more than say twenty percent, there's like something drastically wrong with your mobile experience, which I find probably a nine out of ten websites that like I just start poking around and getting some top level numbers. Um, so like when people buy themes out there on the marketplace or they, you know, buy a custom site or whatever, a store being mobile friendly or, you know, or being responsive is one thousand percent different than it being optimized for mobile. And that is like a world of difference on e-commerce. Um, you're talking about like essentially like people are coming to your website and they want to buy something. There's kind of a flow that just the Amazons and the Walmarts have kind of taught the world of how things work. You got the homepage, you've got the the collection page or category page, however you want to say it. You got your product display page, and then you're like moving into the cart. So like you got your cart page, and then you just do your checkout fun stuff from there. Um, but those other like those first parts, you can really like affect how that works. And if you're not actually thinking about how that experience happens on your phone by hell just use use it on your own phone and be like this doesn't make any sense actually uh making all the pertinent data appear within kind of the viewport or like inside the screen size uh you know getting rid of stuff that doesn't need to be there getting rid of distractions mitigating risk like putting your free shipping information in there just like helping people answer their questions within like the mobile experience that will raise the average order value. No, sorry. That will raise the uh, conversion rate across all of the channels, not just like on the mobile channel. Because say your newsletter goes out, it's going to hit someone's iPhone. They're going to click the link. They're going to be on mobile now, but from that newsletter. So it's actually going to help on that front. Or say your Instagram ads, that's obviously on mobile. It's going to bring them back to the phone. So focusing on the user experience is key to raising your conversion value or conversion rate. Today's episode is sponsored by Drip. Drip is the world's first e-commerce CRM and a tool that I personally use for email marketing and automation. Now, if you're ever in an e-commerce store, you need to give Drip a try, and here's why. Drip offers one-click integrations for both Shopify and Magento. There's robust segmentation, personalization, and revenue dashboards to give you an overview of how your automation emails are performing. One of my favorite features of Drip is the Visual Workflow Builder. It gives you a super easy way to build out your automation world visually and see the entire process. It lets you get started quickly, but also build very complex automation roles. It's powerful, but also easy to learn, unlike a lot of email tools that offer the same type of automation. To get a demo of Drip today, you can go head over to drip.com slash BOE. That's drip.com slash BOE. Now onto the show. Got it. Yeah, I feel like some people still aren't real some people do this like random test on the desktop and don't realize you're mobile it's one of the things now that i was at the beach the other day and i was sitting there and my cooler broke well as the beach and i said all right i need a new cooler for this weekend literally just popped in my phone went to rei and within seconds click 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 i bought the exact same cooler so i knew what i was getting shipped it and it was done so that was the easiest conversion anyone's ever made where i just literally looked down at the model and just hit buy just repurchase the exact same cooler. And if there was any sort of obstacle in my way, I would have just hopped on Amazon or different sporting goods or whatever it was. I just happened to think of that first. I think people underestimate how how like low-hanging fruit that is. And you can just get very simple, easy little conversions that way. 
I think people underestimate how lazy mm. their customers are, yeah. which isn't a bad thing. You know, they have things to do. They have families. They have obligations. They have stuff that is going on where any friction that they experience in that journey is usually the best excuse for them to just not buy from you. Yeah. And I get... And the thing is, if when you're in your mobile, that's usually... That's usually the time when you're like your laziest. If you're not even, yeah. if you're just kind of going on your phone, and you're like, I want that. And you just buy it right there. That's where you want it to be the most seamless, easy process, right? Because you're sitting there, you're at the beach, you're not opening 10 different tabs and you know, you're not um, shopping around on price. You're just at the beach, you're on this site, just close the sale, just go, just make the experience easy. Cause that's what people on their mobile want. Yeah. And like, I am. I have this whole theory, you know, which I should probably figure out how to vet this theory. But so people are like, oh, your conversion rate's always going to be lower on mobile. And I was like, I don't think that's real. I was like, I think it's historically lower on all these things because people aren't putting the time into making their mobile experience as great as it can be. I think when the world starts to shift in optimizing for mobile, because that's where traffic is, that's where conversions are going to be. Got it. So now let's say, okay. Let's say you look at conversion rate. The thing is, you don't really know as a retailer. Um, you get this number. So make yeah. up a number. Let's say it's... Arbitrary number. Arbitrary number. Let's say it's 20% or it could be 0.2%. You don't even okay. know if that's good or bad. That's the thing when you do that. So what do you... Yeah. What's the next like actionable thing from there? Because you get this... It's very different too, right? If I'm selling... you know, If my average order value is $10,000 versus before... Let's say I'm selling some sort of like IT hardware versus I'm selling socks for $2, like every, every one of these numbers be drastically different. So how do I know if my number is good? Or what do I do with that number? Yeah, that's great. Here's the thing. Conversion rates are 100% unique to your brand. Yeah, You can kind of compare to your industry and kind of see where you sit. But what does that do you? It doesn't do anything. Like it doesn't matter where you are. What number, what you start with can be improved. Effort in equals positive, you know, results out. So when you're focusing on your conversion rate and you start to really think about your customer journey, think about reasons why they're not purchasing, thinking about, you know, or just discovering weird bugs in your website on mobile or like even on desktop. Like I'm, I'm harping on mobile a lot here, but do the same thing on desktop as well. There's a lot of stuff that you can do on both of them. Um, to make your website easier and more user-friendly so your customers will actually want to purchase from you. Um, But essentially, you start with a number for your conversion rate. That's your baseline. It's like, okay, let's find ways that we can improve this by, you know, doing kind of like what... I'm I'm drawing a blank here on things that everyone should be doing. Best practices. There we go. Mm -hmm. Making sure that you're hitting all the best practices. Once that's kind of out of the way, then you can start testing. Uh, and I kind of conf- and that's like where you're starting to talk about conversion rate optimization. And like once you get all the low hanging fruit out of the way and all the obvious stuff, you're kind of to a point where you're like sque- squeezing blood from a stone. You're like you're doing tests to like try to make a little bit more money, which it will work and it's obvious compounding. But you know, at first, a lot of this stuff is fairly obvious. Uh, you know, if you're not a, a user like user experience expert. There are millions of them out there that will audit your site for you, or maybe they'll fix it as well. You know, you can find people in various various budget levels if you're not really very familiar with like how easy should the site be. You know, you can go get you can go ask people to help you with that. Um, but like that's kind of where you want to start is like whatever the starting number that you have is, it can probably be improved. Yeah, I've always kind of thought of it as kind of TikToking back and forth, right? You're gonna have this moment where you have 
day one, you have no traffic and no one's coming to the site. You launch and you know, the visit accounts at zero. So traffic is your first thing. But it, once you start to get the traffic, you're you know, TikToking over to conversion rate, optimization, um, average order value, kind of optimizing the traffic that you get. But like you said, at some point, that just becomes, okay, you know, going from 1% to 0.9, whatever these tiny little numbers are, don't matter. But then you go back to traffic, and if you 10x that number, then that little percentage does matter again. So you, it's always kind of back and forth because you go yeah, so much you know, and that's it doesn't a matter. Fantastic transition. Let's yeah. go. Let's go to traffic next. Right. So that's a great transition. All right. So say uh, the first thing you you focused on was the user experience. Like you realized that the free theme that you were using from the theme store is garbage. You hired some consultant or something. You got a really beautiful theme. Uh, and it's solving a lot of the weird issues that you didn't know exist. And now your conversion rates bumped up another 25%. You're loving that, right? So you focus there. Great. Now you're going to shift your focus. By the way, I said focus. You should only focus on one of these at a time. Um, so you did that for a while. When you now say, you're like, all when right. You say that's time. Is this a day, a quarter, a week? Like, what is, what is, what time are we talking? I mean, I would say that a day is never enough time to like actually get any statistical results in e-commerce. But I would say like, um, I think a month is for for a young brand. I think a month is a good time limit. Like if it's for example, if you did a like if you redesigned your store with a new theme, like I feel like that's a lot of effort. I think you're done focusing on that for a while. You know, you got to let that go. You got to get the you got to get the data back to see if your assumptions were true, uh, and then you can go focus elsewhere. Uh, you know, for while you're getting that data back. So give yourself like a project, like basically on a per project base. So here's what I'm doing for this. Yeah, Maybe yeah, that's a great week. way to look at it. Got it. One thing yeah. actually, so usually, usually. Go ahead. I was going to say one actual thing, and I, it's funny how many people don't know about this. And every time I tell people, there's someone and someone will be listening right now and go, I didn't know that. It's amazing. When you uh, annotate in Google Analytics, are you familiar with this? Yes. Okay. So some people don't. Where So if you're not familiar, what it is, is basically when you do one of these projects, you can say site redesign and you can go in Google Analytics and mark Ooh. that. Yeah. Put a little pin in it because in six months, you'll go back and you'll see, maybe you'll see a line go that way or maybe you won't, but you won't you will never remember what that date was. And you'll have some, I've done this where you have some like bizarre spreadsheet and you try to like piece it together. <laughs> but that, yeah. that annotate, you just go back and you open those little dots and then you see, wow, I can see this exact, I can see this moment where everything shifted and it's just amazing visualization. So I maybe you can find a link to that as well. But if you don't know about that, look it up because it's pretty awesome. So anyway, back to yeah, traffic. It, yeah, back to traffic. And um, so... You spent this time focusing on the user experience. You did a project. That's actually usually how all of our projects work at our agency. Is like it's usually like they just want to make more sales. That's like at the bottom at, of every issue I've ever run into with any e-commerce brand that we've consulted with. If you boiled it down, they're like, we just want to make more money. Yep. Right. So usually it works out in a couple of phases. And the first thing we're going to work on is that conversion rate because that is the biggest multiplier when it comes to like where how all these numbers work out in the wash. So we'll usually focus on like, you know, either redesigning or like or making what they have better. So that's like the first project. And then you shift into either average order value or traffic. We're going to talk about traffic now though. This one's the easiest one to like increase cuz you can do paid media. You can literally just throw money at it and get more traffic. Um, but, you know, there's caveats there. Like if you don't know what you're doing, you might be lighting your money on fire. Uh, people that do know what they're doing, uh, they are worth it. So it depends on where your budgets kind of sit, whether or not this is going to be worth it. Um, but I, like I said a few minutes ago, is like we focus on the conversion rate first because if your conversion rate is one percent and your 
you know, average order value is $25. I need, I don't have a calculator in front of me. So this math is just going to be pulled out of my ass. Um, <laughs> so, so if you just want to go, you're, you're like, I'm focused on growth. I want to go straight to Facebook ads. We're going to be spending all this money a month, right? You're going to be, let's say you're spending $10,000 a month and your average, uh, your conversion rate is 1%. It's only like your ads, if you get really, really targeted, well-targeted, qualified traffic, it's going to convert historically at kind of like what your conversion rate is. So why wouldn't you first want to put the effort into raising your conversion rate to getting a higher return on ad spend for those ads? Like that's my argument. It's like, obviously you want more sales, you want more traffic, but like do the work first. So you're in like a better position to make more money and capitalize on your returns. Yeah. So focus on the bottom of the funnel first and then work your way up. That's the way I've kind of always understood, yeah. right? Because that's that's your force multiplier. That bottom of the funnel. You already ha- assuming you already have traffic coming in. You already have sales, like you said. The bottom. That's where you kind of multiply everything up top. So everything. If you have that, you know, hundred thousand people coming a month, ten thousand, whatever that is. Whatever you can squeak that little percentage out of the bottom, you it's way larger. And then when you double the top, yeah. you're doubling everything now. So that's always, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Traffic track it, traffic's up there at the top. Which is cool, but like, yeah, if your if your conversion rate can be improved, focus on that because it's it's going to multiply everything. So, uh, the next phase of our projects usually will go actually to average order value next, and not traffic because we're talking about multipliers here. Yep. So, but back to traffic, just because we were talking about it, and I don't want to forget anything here. So, there's really two options: there's paid and there's organic. Um, paid, you know, influencers I would I would probably put under paid unless you got someone that owes you a favor. Um, but like. All of those are kind of expensive options. And then you've got organic, which takes time. So there's only two things here. There's time or money is how you're going to get more traffic to your website. Um, so the easiest to manipulate when you start talking about paid, but probably the longest to work on if you're talking about organic. Um, but those are kind of the only ways that you're going to grow your traffic on your website. And then like kind of the other piece of the puzzle moving into average order value, this is one is probably the second most important, I'd say. In before this, you do, this before whole you do that, as far as focus, would you say, because organic does take long, a very, very long time, right? It's a like the yeah. snowball that's slowly kind of growing. Would you, when we talk about focus, and I've heard people argue both ways on this, would you say you should always be doing organic? You should always be writing some blog posts, just kind of doing that while you're kind of using paid to kind of juice the results? Or is it, Hey, if paid's working, just double, triple, 10x down on that. Forget organic. And then when paid stops work, like max that channel out. And then when you can't figure out any more paid, then go to organic. Or would you do them at the same time? That's a great question. So if we're talking about a young brand that's kind of getting that first initial hit, I'm going to assume that they started with organic to like get those first, that first kind of wave of sales coming in. So they probably have a system that works. And I'm going to be operating under the assumption that that system never stopped. And they were always doing that organic system while they started to focus on like kind of these other KPIs. Um, if you have all of your focus and not focus, like all of your eggs are in the Facebook, Instagram basket, when they change the algorithm or your, your feed gets denied or something happens and that goes away, your business is now bankrupt. Like if you, you can't focus your business success on another business. So you need to have a diversified like area to get people to see your product. So I would argue that you need to have an organic system in place always for for an e-commerce business. And then you find kind of the, the other channel and paid that works for you. It'll probably work faster. It'll be more scalable. But 
if you know someone pulls the rug out from under you with that channel, you're screwed. Got it. Okay. Yeah, I like that. It definitely. And the thing is, organic does take so long, and once you get it going, it doesn't actually take a huge time commitment, right? Like if you're producing one blog post a week, a month, or you know, a couple of months, whatever it is, you just keep doing that. And once you get in the rhythm, you just you know, it's like going to the gym. You just get up and do it, and then move on. So you don't expect, hey, I'm going to write a blog post and light the world on fire. You expect I'm going to write a blog post every week for the next two years, and then all of a sudden it's going to be great. But yeah, I like that. So then the paid is something you can add some, you know, sprinkle some Facebook or Instagram to the top, and that's where you see the traffic just spike overnight. Yeah, and the the cool thing like with content, I feel like content's probably the easiest thing to delegate. It's like one of the first things we delegated at the agency. I still do all of the content, but I have a team that helps me with like the polishing. So like it's a very it's a very easy system to build and then delegate. So it's not going to take up as much of your time as it did when you first started your business. Very good. Point. So yeah. um and then kind of talking about traffic and, and talking about about paid, uh, a good like algorithm not algorithm, a good analogy that I heard once was like when you're talking about traffic, it's like pouring gas in an engine. And if the engine sucks, <laughs> it's you're st- it's still going to perform terribly. It doesn't matter how much gas you have; still it's going three, to perform terribly. You're getting three miles yeah. to the gallon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you have, you know, you worked on this engine, you you tuned it up, you made it great, you replaced some parts that weren't really working, and you made it a lot better. Now, when you pour all this extra gas in it, it's actually going to work for you, yeah. and you're going to see this performance. So, you know, that's like why focusing on the conversion rate before the traffic is the good way to do it. Um, and then the third one here is average order value. And that one is probably the most difficult for people to figure out, I'd say, because it takes a lot of strategy and it's so different and unique per brand. It's like, it's more you got to understand the theory first and then you got to like apply it to your brand. So, like, Raising the average order value, there's a lot of ways to do it, but the the like the most simple ones are like kind of like figuring out a good way to do bundling, figuring out a good way to do upsells, or figuring out a good way to do cross sells. It's essentially they come to you to buy one thing, and you get a, you figure out a way to easily allow them to buy more, and they feel like they're getting value out of it, uh, and they feel like they're getting a deal. Um, and again, like I can't tell you the right way to do it because your business is probably selling sneakers, right? I only need one pair of those, but this other business is selling some you know, disposable razor blades. And sure, I probably need a three month supply of that. So like there's easier ways to do the upsells depending on what product you're selling uh, or the cross sells or the bundling. Um, so those ones really take some like strategic thought to figure out like what do my customers actually want? What what are they willing to spend? Uh, and how do I make this easy for them in like my messaging? Yeah, it's also some of the easiest things to test, which is nice because you can run through a lot yeah. of different like you already have your traffic going and I had um, many episodes go Jordan Gal from Cardhook on here. And for example, so Cardhook, what they do is after the checkout, they kind of hook onto the cart, like the name implies, right? And basically say, hey, you already checked out, the order's already done, but you also want to purchase this other thing. And essentially like creating almost like a second order, but for the same person. And that concept right there, the neat part about that is it doesn't change anything else higher up in the funnel. So you just kind of tack it on way lower on and you know it's not going to lower your conversion rate, you know, because some there are some things, right, that could distract a user and worsen your conversion rate. But there's certain things you can do after the checkout, which is or sending them emails after the checkout and trying to do that sort of thing. And basically another way, right, to increase the cart value, essentially. 
And then that way, you know, it's not going to affect the conversion rate. You're not distracting folks. You're just adding on at the end. And it's super clever. I love things like that. Yeah, I think post-purchase upsells, uh, you know, it's good to uh, it, it's good to differentiate between an upsell and a post-purchase upsell. Yeah. Uh, an upsell would be like, I buy a pair of shoes and they're like, do you want these socks before I get to the cart page? But if I've already bought the pair of shoes and they're like, hey, you get $5 off these, shop, these socks after I bought the shoes, now you're talking about a whole different game because I've already put in my credit card information. It's it's a little bit easier to get that upsell. Uh, unfortunately, in the Shopify ecosystem, up doing a proper post-purchase upsell is a pretty big project. Yeah. Uh, and it's not for the faint of heart because you can screw a lot of things up. Yeah. So that's what their software does. Hook onto yeah. Shopify. And I think it's a pretty big thing, right? Because they don't make it easy. Yeah. So I'm actually... Jordan's co-hosting a Shopify meetup with me uh, July 15th. I don't know when this is coming out, but if you guys are around... <laughs> All right. Are you in uh, Portland? I know we're doing it virtually. Oh, oh, I forgot. Everything's virtual now. Sorry, it's 2020. <laughs> yeah, I haven't been to Portland in years. I'd love. I wish I was in Portland. That sounds fun. Sure. Um, but uh, so, like, kind of going back to average order value, um, you figure out a good bundle or upsell or cross sell system within your business. That's fantastic. But like you said, that's like an, the easiest thing to test. And kind of once you get it to a point where you've like kind of upped it up, you're gonna be what you're gonna be once you kind of get the most you can get out of these three KPIs, then you start to get into like conversion rate optimization territory where now you're making assumptions and you're using the scientific method and you're you're essentially testing hypotheses of how to raise these numbers and using A-B testing to do this and just uh, trying to squeeze blood out of a stone essentially at that point. But if you when you're to that point, it's that it's a beautiful place. Yeah. Well and you have to you have to get there right by knowing your user, knowing your customer, right? Yeah. Because if you're selling, you know, high-end handbags or you're selling like discount socks, those are two very different ways you're gonna upsell someone, different things you can upsell them. The whole the whole psychology is different. And knowing your customer at that point really is kind of the it's gonna it's gonna get you to skip a lot of these experiments, right? You just know these set of experiments just don't even bother, they don't make any sense. So it allows you to be scientific, yeah. but just skip ahead in your scientific method. Yeah. I mean, like one of the first things that you're going to do when you kind of get to the point where you can do A-B testing uh, and like do conversion rate optimization, first of all, to everyone listening, just to give you a number, if you're not getting 10,000 unique visitors to your website a month, you're not there yet and don't even worry about it. Like, okay. 10,000 just it's, in total, right? Are you talking... Yeah. Organic? That's like just... You don't have enough traffic to statistically like get a real result. People will tell you otherwise and they probably just want your money. I like to be very honest. It's it, it's just you can do it with less, but it's going to take a lot longer to get the results, you know what I mean? Um so anyways, uh the first thing that's going to happen if you like engage somebody with conversion rate optimization is they're going to interview all your customers. They're going to ask them about your product, about the experience cuz it's insane what you're going to hear from your customers about your product and your website that you like possibly didn't know was a, was a factor ever unless you are interviewing your customer frequently. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people hire a consultant and are surprised the first thing they do is talk to their customers and they're like, I could have done that, but they don't, no one does it, which is a crazy, very, uh, let's say no one, but very few people are on their phone with their customers, you know, on a daily, a weekly basis. And that's usually the first thing a consultant does um, to get that, exact sense we're talking about who the customer really is. Here's a here's a golden nugget for everybody. If you have Clavio, I would 
find your like most uh, engaged subscribers. Clavio has that like built in. Find your most engaged subscriber, write a campaign, offer them uh, a, like a gift card to your store to answer like a Google Forms survey and like ask them three very specific questions. Uh, and that's your first step into interviewing your customer. Got it. Okay. So basically just use use the tools that are already there and start... Uh, this is also sponsored by Drip this episode. So you can also use Drip. Yeah, you can also use Drip. Yeah. We use Drip for a very long time at the agency. Very cool. Yeah. It's one of those things. And a lot of them now, it's all built in, right? So you can literally just most engage and like... They all kind of hook into your Shopify's and big commerces. So it's so easy to get this data. And it's just so crazy that people aren't doing that. So you're saying just find the most engaged, email them and ask what, what are the three questions? Uh, I mean, I didn't say any three questions, oh. but if I was to guess, I would say, uh, what about our product appeals to you? Okay. You know, find out why, like, why do you buy our product? What, why do, what do you like about our product? Because uh, that's going to give you some awesome messaging for your advertising to like use your customers' own words back to them is the great way to sell more stuff. Um, I would say, you know, ask them what could we do better. Mm. Uh, they might have some good ideas for you. Um, and then it's it's very specific kind of to the brand after that. But I think like what we do good and what we do bad is like very easy starting points. Yeah, so we do good or bad. If you go either way there. I like that. Yeah, I think just asking basic questions like that. Um, you always see that score, uh, the zero through ten. Like, how do you like our product? And it's just you can just like hit the button, and it makes it the easier you make it, the more people are going to respond, right? Because if you true, true, but just hitting a button doesn't give you like the those like unique, like you need to have like a f- open ended question yeah. so you can get it in their own words because they're probably going to tell you something that you didn't realize was like either an issue or like a value to customers to help you kind of mitigate risks and uh, and kind of start thinking about these things. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that's going to happen in in conversion rate optimization is they're going to install something like Hotjar or Lucky Orange and they're going to watch your customers interact with your website and I guarantee they interacted with it in a way that is insane to you. You're like, "Why are you doing this?" Uh, but it's it's good to kind of see how they're doing it so you can try to help them kind of help them out and get them down the funnel. Yeah. I've told a story on head before where I was watching it and had this... It was an image, but apparently it looked like a button. and just kept watching like, why does everyone just click on this same image that goes nowhere? And I realized, let's just make, make it, it a link. Just make it a link. I don't even know why people... I couldn't figure out why people want to click on it, but just brought them one of the pages I wanted to sell. And people... <laughs> all of a sudden, the traffic went up. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, Dude, it's, it's yeah. so funny. Yeah. It's people, just, people, people assume things. Yeah. And... I whatever it was, it was a photo, and it just didn't. Some some people apparently looked like a button to, and just made it a link, and all of a sudden traffic went up. Yeah, uh, there's a good book out there called "Don't Make Me Think." Yeah, very good book. And it's just it's about just essentially this. It's just like don't make it harder for people to use your website. Make it as easy as possible. Yeah. Um, and we kind of talked. I I do want to bring this up a l- little bit here. Uh, there is kind of a fourth one that I like to kind of spend some time focusing on after we focused on all these other ones, which is lifetime value. Yeah. And it's, you know, everyone knows it's easier to sell again to a customer that already exists. So when you're talking about lifetime value, you're talking about doing kind of upsells and cross sells and post-purchase sells and re-engaging that customer over kind of the lifetime of the business. And nowadays with all these crazy tools like Drip and Clavio, you got PostScript for SMS, like there's all these ways to communicate with your customers. You also retarget these customers through advertising uh, methods. Um, figuring out cool ways to make them buy from you again 
is a good way to focus on uh, kind of increasing the lifetime value. Because once you start getting really nerdy about the numbers, you can figure out like what you can pay to acquire a customer because you know you're going to make it out in the wash, like in the lifetime of that customer. Uh, and those are like really important things when you get into actually scaling a business with like a capital infusion. Yeah, there's a quote, and I have no idea who said it, but it wasn't me. Um, whoever can pay the most to acquire a customer wins, ultimately, at the end of the day. Yep. It's kind of the gist of it, right? Where, you know, if you can sell someone two and three and four and five times, all of a sudden now you can pay t- double, triple for that same acquisition. So your ad spend can still profitably double and triple. And you can just keep scaling every channel way beyond where your competitors can. And they, the neat part is your competitors can't see that part of the business, right? They're blind to that. So they might, they know their numbers. They know, you know, people can figure out average card value. They can figure out all that. And your competitors kind of know, your, they know their conversion rate. They can extrapolate to yours. But that one thing they can't figure out. So if you could sell it to the same customer multiple times, you're going to blow out paid traffic and no one will understand why. People won't understand how you're doing it profitably, but that's kind of your ace yeah. hole. Yeah, yeah. So there's here's a good just behind the scenes look at paid media. Uh, the companies like you see all these crazy case studies of people getting you know five, ten, fifteen x returns on their Facebook ads. Those are probably like very specific advertising efforts and campaigns, uh, and like it might just be one particular part of the total campaign you know people like to talk about their analytics and it's very you know especially in paid media case studies can be very misleading um but i will tell you right now the people that are using paid media to grow their agencies they're probably operating at a two to three x blended return on ad spend because they know their lifetime value and they know they can afford it because they know at the end of the day putting that effort in is growing the business and that's all that matters well, and you need to know that, right? Because you might not see that money back for 30, 60, 90... When you start talking light LTV, right? You might not get that money back for yeah. 30, 60, 90 days or maybe a quarter, right? Until you get the second and third sale. Some people are going as far as years. Yeah. So you need to really be sure, right? Because if you're running at a loss at the beginning and you're trying to scale up your loss knowing, hey, I'm going to win in the long run, you need to really know your numbers because that's kind of like if you're tripling your ad budget... And you don't have that dialed in, you can go like you could lose money big time over this. So I mean, you need to know these we numbers. Just, we got <laughs> this. This got, pretty much just got to the point of that is how you hear about all these crazy like venture backed yeah. brands going bankrupt is because they were doing exactly that. Is they were betting on themselves, and then they couldn't figure out a way to cut costs and like fix their margin to make it profitable at the end of the day. Uh, like I literally just read Brandless was one of those oh, yeah. that like went bankrupt because of this. And now they're coming back is what I read on the line. They got a new CEO and they're going to try it again. Um, but yeah, so that's a very scary element of growing a business is, you know, like understanding your LTV and then betting on yourself. Those are two different kind of things. Yeah. So to bet on, to take big bets, you probably want to know these numbers. So yeah. So let's see. You get traffic, conversion rate, average order value, and at the end, customer lifetime value. It's kind of the... Yeah. All right. I like it. I'll definitely put that in the show notes. Anything else you're working on to kind of plug, show people where to kind of find you? 
Yeah, uh, if you like uh, all my nonsensical rambling, you can listen to me uh, every week. I have a weekly podcast called Honest E-Commerce. That's honestecommerce.co. Uh, and then uh, I am the founder and strategist at Electric Eye. So that's electriceye.io. Uh, we're a Shopify-specific direct-to-consumer brand full-service agency. Uh, we help people make more money, essentially, kind of focusing on these three areas that I just described for the last hour or however long we were chatting. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely turn the show notes. So I think uh, people should check that out. They're super helpful. So awesome. Yeah. Thanks a lot for coming on. This was great. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.